it is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Welcome back to Information Operation. Uh, Brent Beecham is a classmate of mine from the Air Force Academy in 1986. He has an interesting background. Besides being the uh, co-founder of Zionism.com, which is our Israeli site, he has the privilege of flying uh, F-15s for the U.S. Air Force, and then I believe F-4s for the Israeli uh, Air Force. Is that correct, Brent? A-force. Not F-4s, A-4s, correct? A-4s. Yeah, yeah, yeah attack jets. So... Uh, a fighter pilot extraordinaire. Um, uh, so, Brent, you know, both of us being Air Force guys, uh, what's happening in Ukraine is kind of a live demonstration of what we studied uh, our entire careers, you know, combined arms, all that stuff. So what do you think? Well, let me just take a step back. The 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 I guess take on the Air Force Russian Air Force is that they haven't really applied much of their capabilities, which is really overwhelming from an aircraft, you know, 1500 aircraft to less than 100 in the Ukrainian Air Force. Uh, but they have lost, the Russians have lost a lot of aircraft. Um, and the Ukrainian Air Force is still alive. And the Russian Air Force is not utilizing that air power and the air superiority to take out a lot of these tank columns. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, and we'll go into the specific aircraft. Yeah, you know, and I think that, um, the the loss of aircraft is probably not that surprising, um, mm -hmm. given the capabilities that the Ukrainians have uh, from a surface air missile. Uh, you see them flying, at least from the photographs and the videos I've seen, they're flying low altitude, um, which is a high threat environment, particularly for things like stingers, mm -hmm. uh, other man pads that can shoot them down. Um, they they like a lot of air forces around the world have not flown against an integrated air defense uh, since really the Gulf war, maybe to an extent Bosnia where um, they faced a significant threat. And, and so mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have forgotten that you can't just fly over top of the, 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 uh, the battlefield and expect to be completely invulnerable and particularly helicopters. Mm -hmm. I've seen many, many videos of helicopters going down, very low altitude and man pad shooting them down. So I, I, I believe and that, RPGs also. Yeah. 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 So I, mm -hmm. I really think that what's happened is that there's just a lack of, of awareness on the Russians part. You know, they, I think they've been flying over Syria um, and expected the same sort of um, non-threat environment. Mm-hmm. And and to a degree, I mean, even even a sophisticated air force like the Israeli Air Force, they lost uh, an F-16 over Israel, over the Golan Heights to an SA-5, which wasn't even built to shoot down fighters. It was built to shoot down, you know, high altitude bombers. Um, that and, was one uh, of those like telephone pole missiles that they yeah, developed yeah. back in the 70s, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and and it's like SA five. I, I mean, maybe if they went down to an SA eight or SA six, you kind of go, ah, oh, you know, maybe. But um, 
so I, I think even they kind of got complacent about flying over contested airspace. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what's happened. But you got to remember in the Gulf War, we flew against uh, the Iraqi you know, military that had a very, very sophisticated Soviet um, trained, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, integrated air defense. And we lost, I think the allies lost 40 airplanes, maybe. And well, tell, tell our audience what is an integrated air defense. Well, so the the systems that you have that have early warning radar, there's a there's a um, you know a higher headquarters that's looking at the, the overall battlefield. Uh, then you have you know the systems that that will defend like big cities or division level that'll be your you know higher altitude type weapons. Mm-hmm. And the closer you get to the forward edge of the battlefield, um, then you end up with uh, more uh, mobile SAMs and uh, man portable SAMs that can shoot down lower flying aircraft that are flying. And if you look at what's happened over the last, I don't know, 20 years, the, the U S military. Um, I, and in fact, in, even in my time frame, we thought mm-hmm. we'd be flying in Europe at, you know, a hundred feet, 200 feet, trying to stay mm-hmm. low as we could. And in fact, what happened was the threat from AAA, from small arms and from man portable SAMs, are so high threat that that uh, most fighters were flying at high altitude uh, to avoid those systems, and and that's pretty much what's happened over the last number of years that we've we've decided that's that's more acceptable. You have more time to react. Oh. Um, and, so and these guys are flying low. You see them. I, yeah. I've seen the videos of them flying really low, and you're like, wow, they're they're taking taking a high risk. And I'm not sure why they're needing to fly that low. So for our audience's sake, there's usually two types of guidance on an anti-aircraft uh, missile or air gun system. It's either radar guided or heat seeking. So the man, typically the man, the shoulder launch missiles are heat seeking where they lock on to the engine right. exhaust and the, uh, you know, SA sixes and stuff like that, or SA, uh, you know, 11s, which is a upgraded system are basically radar guided. Right. So the Ukrainians probably have both, right? Um, yeah, they, they have some, I think they have leftover, you know, Soviet equipment mm-hmm. and, you know, radar guided, um, you know, you have some amount of warning time to, to react to those things The the newer systems, um, you know, that have uh, phased array type radars are a lot more difficult to, to mm-hmm. detect, mm-hmm. but, uh, you do have a, a certain amount of time to react to them if you're at high enough altitude. If you're at low altitude, man, the, the amount of time that, that you have to be able to find that missile and then try to defend against is pretty pretty small. And then, of yeah. course, you get no warning whatsoever from uh, a shoulder-fired you know, Stinger missile. You know, somebody shoots one of those at you, you, you don't know unless you just happen to see the flash. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Venezia and there was a uh, anti-aircraft battery at the airfield and it was um, uh, the old, you know, the quad 40 millimeter. I forget the name of the system, but uh, it seemed pretty, pretty ZHU robust. 23 yeah. probably. Yeah. I, those yeah. were terrifying to be shot at because there's, there's just, you know, all you're seeing is the tracers, but mm-hmm. if you're low enough to be shot at by those guys, you know, that's a wall of lead. Um, yeah. The higher altitude, triple uh, a, you know, um, it was a lot less thick and, mm. you know, it's a longer time of flight. You still, it, you know, you don't know if it's going to hit you or not, uh, but you don't mm. get that wall of lead effect. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 
Talk to us about the the aircraft they're using. The first, the MiG twenty nine. What what's it built for? What's its capabilities? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, these are all the same uh, era as F sixteen, F fifteen, MiG twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Roughly um, would be like an F sixteen in size and in capability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Su thirty, well, the Su twenty sevens are more like an F-15. They're bigger airplanes. Mm-hmm. They have longer range missiles. They have better radar and so on. Mm-hmm. And then they they did the same thing we did. They took the Su-27 and turned it into an Su-34 or Su-32, then an Su-34, which is a, basically a strike aircraft. Um, unlike That's a two-seater, right? They put the dual, dual seat co- cockpit in there? Yeah. And kind of mm-hmm. weirdly, they they put them side by side like an yeah, F-111, yeah. which is it made the the if you look at the plan form of the airplane it just looks bizarre yeah yeah but uh you know those are those are all i mean they're capable aircraft uh they're they're not they're certainly not fifth generation airplanes but um you know fourth generation airplanes like the f-15 f-16 f-18 are still flying today and mm-hmm. still very effective they're just not stealth yeah uh, but um you know they're if you look at their manufacturing, I mean, when we saw the first airplanes come down, you know, we, one defected to Turkey when I was in the Air Force, and they looked at the, S, the MiG-29, and they're like, oh, my God, the manufacturing capability that they had was horrible. Yeah. The rivet exposed, and I mean, it was like mm-hmm. no no workmanship like we see. But they're they're very rugged airplanes. They're built mm-hmm. to, to fly in, in terrible aircraft in airfields that are um, – you know, less prepared than our you know, typical air, air bases that we fly out of. There's um, also been a, a several shoot downs, uh, at least alleged by the Ukrainians of the big IL-76 transports full of parachuters. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess those would probably, for, you got to be at least 500 feet to, to do an airdrop, right? I mean, I'm not a yeah. cargo guy, but. Yeah, I think I think um, I think the lowest is probably uh, lowest combat job drop is probably four or 500 feet. Uh, yeah. They, I think they would typically feel like, you know, if you're training, they're at a thousand or, or greater. Yeah. But fly a, a again, a fly an IL 76 into a highly contested area um, mm-hmm. where they obviously have not uh, been able to knock out. I mean, you know, again, what we would have done or what most Western Air Forces would have been done would be to take out all of their capability, take out their uh, long range radar, start to take out the strategic systems. You'll never get the man pads and the man portable or the, the uh, mobile SAMs, but we would have mm-hmm. done that first. We lost in the Gulf War. We lost a, a AC-130 that you know yep. they were they they were not supposed to fly past um, sunrise, and they stayed mm-hmm. a little bit longer, and then somebody could see them visually to shoot them down. So again, yeah. flying flying a big heavy transport into an area where they're active. Um, you know, longer range uh, surface air missiles is is suicide. Yeah. But what I, do you I think? think Go ahead. I said the, the bigger thing that I see is, again, the, the we grew up when the Soviets were 10 feet tall. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as we peel back um, through defectors and then after the, the Cold War ended, we saw that, in fact, they were they were really not what we anticipated they were. And the Russian Federation is a fraction of what the old Soviet army was. And they yeah. really haven't done a whole lot of upgrading since then, I don't think. And they, and they've been flying, you know, say a hundred hours a year, mm-hmm. which is maybe one or two sorties a week. 
and yeah. you know, and Western most Western Air Forces are flying four to five sorties a week, yeah. which you know. And I remember going on vacation, and you come back after two weeks, and just the what they call you know playing the piccolo was yeah. was difficult. You had to re, kind of rethink your habit patterns and really kind of you know. And so I don't know how you ever ever get into a into a really good routine flying once or twice a week. It's pretty tough. Yeah. I think that shows in, in their performance. There's been a big question uh, of, on a lot of Russian tactics, but one of them is they're not using the over, overwhelming air power. Any thoughts on that? Um, could it be, you know, sustainability, reliability, uh, just don't want them to get shot down? I mean, what do you think? I just think it's a lack of understanding how to use air power. That That's my mm -hmm. guess. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we built, you know, packages, you know, we thought about the whole package that went in. We have the guys that are jamming. We have guys that are anti-radar uh, missiles. Um, you know, you had had uh, escort fighters. You had then you had the the strike fighters that would come in behind uh, all together. So we had, you know, we thought about how to deliver a bunch of air power in one place at one time. You don't have to have mm -hmm. air superior. You don't have to have superiority of numbers across the entire battlefield, you just have to have superiority in that one location. And that's how mm -hmm. we, that's how the, I think Western air forces have been thinking about it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Again, I, you know, we got lazy in places like, you know, Afghanistan, um, yeah. where, you know, it was just, it was different. And I think that's probably the same thing. They, they figured that eh, we just fly overhead like we did in Syria and, and mm -hmm. we'll drop bombs and, uh, it targets opportunity. I just don't see them employing, you know, you don't see a strike package of 20 airplanes going in or 40 or 60 or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Now, I, I would say the Israeli air force uh, changed a little bit in their tactics. They're not doing massive strike packages. Maybe it's 10 or 12 airplanes, but what they're doing is what we have done is we're delivering uh, JDAMs or other guided weapons that mm -hmm. you can launch from outside of the surface air missile threat. And, and right. they've got some capability to glide uh, a long distance in. And that's, you know, that's allowed us to, instead of having one F-16 with 2,000, with two 2,000 pound bombs, now he loads up with, you know, eight uh, JDAMs or whatever the capability, I'm not sure what the number is, but they can launch and hit eight different targets with a smaller weapon. Yeah. And that really just multiplies their force uh, significantly. I mean, you think the, you know, the old uh, story about World War II, um, it took, you know, 500 airplanes to destroy a target in Vietnam. It took, you know, 10 in the Gulf War, mm -hmm. it took two. And now one airplane can destroy maybe six or eight targets. So it's yeah, it amazing. really, I don't see them doing, I don't think that's the, the Russians haven't really uh, thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. You, my, my thought is, you know, you've had this 40 mile column of armor exposed stationary for like a week. Right. I mean, yeah. my gosh, <laughs> that would be a flaming hole at this point if the U.S. Air Force was involved. Right. Yeah. I saw um, somebody say, uh, uh, somebody sent me an article from an A-10 pilot who said that's actually pretty dangerous territory to be in. I mean, with yeah. all the SAM threat. But you don't have to go in with an A-10. You come over overhead with airplanes that can, you know, uh, send a JDAM on that column or laser guided bomb on that column and from high altitude and lo much, much lower threat or better yet, send over an armed, uh, you know, Reaper, uh, you yeah. know, and, and, and shoot them remotely with, you know, with UAVs. So it's, yeah, yeah 
it, it seems very strange to me that they're not they're not taking those guys out. Um, highway of death would have been probably the end result uh, if it right. had been against the U.S. Well, Brent, thank you very much. I uh, want to have you back on as the war progresses because I don't think anybody has the perspective from a fighter pilot that, that you do. But thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you.